One. S&P downgrades the banks. Dick sporting kids getting destroyed. What does it mean? Absolutely nothing. Because this is the NVIDIA market. Not only is it going to power AI, it's powering this entire market. We're going to talk about that today. A lot of retail earnings. David Trainer at 8.35 to talk about all these earnings expectations. It's a Tuesday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We are starting out solidly in the green, trading at the highs of the session, up 25 handles, 44.3750. Dollar futures still above 103, up a couple pennies at 103.20. Bonds up about a half a point at 118.10. Crude under 80, down 48 cents at 79.64. Gold catching a bid up eight bucks, 19.31. Silver responding up 14 cents at 23.48. And you know who's not participating in the rally? Bitcoin. Bitcoin, the futures are down $25 at $26,040. So Triple D, in our 125 years of combined experience in the market, yes, have you ever seen such a focus on one stock in their earnings report? Actually, I don't think so. That's a good point. Um, I've seen moves like this before. But I don't think I've ever seen the focus that media and retail and Twitter is giving to one stock. I mean, it is talked about continuously here. This may have been the most predictable run-up ahead of a report that we have ever seen. It has been an incredible run-up ahead of the report. On Friday morning, we were 416 on this stock, on NVIDIA. And now it's 477, up 60 straight points ahead of the report we still have a full two trading sessions before this thing goes like it's not out of the realm of possibility this is going to take 500 bucks before the report and if you thought the expect expectations were high before that bar has raised even incredibly more but wow like the move here and the 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 commentary just every single analyst popping on cnbc or on twitter or you know wherever is just saying this is the report this is the report and they're right this is the report. It's the last big mega cap to report. It is what everybody wants to see. It's the AI driver for the market. They got to blow it away. There's no doubt now they have to blow it away if they're going to continue to go higher from here. But the money is being made, being long ahead of this report. I think it sees, I think it easily, I think it could see $500 before it reports. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's momentum. And, you know, we could say what we want to say about analysts, right? We, we talked, uh, you know, very tongue in cheek. I think it was on Friday. I talked about Tesla, right? And how, you know, that just, the Adam Jonas came out with whatever he came out with. And it was after just like a major move down and it couldn't make me more bullish. So you can use it as a contrarian, mm -hmm. but you can't be a contrarian 
in a stock like NVIDIA with the analysts because they have come on several days in a row. I'm, I'm going to give you one number. That's it. It hasn't hit it yet. All-time high, 480.88. One number, one number from NVIDIA. And let's, uh, you know, let's talk about, you know, there's some negatives going on in the market here. And it doesn't care. It does absolutely does not care about uh, S&P downgraded the banks or this Dick's, Dick's uh, Sporting Goods report. Just who cares? Yeah, the market doesn't care about Dick's. We know that. It would be a different story if NVIDIA was down. Let's bring in Money Mitch here. He can talk to us about the Dick's Sporting Goods report here Ooh. because this is an epic disaster. DKS trading down 18%. It was trading up ahead of the report last night, and I was looking. I was like, I don't know. I could show it was up, it was up two bucks ahead of the report. I was like, do I take that? I was like, I don't know. It's not enough edge. I didn't think, and you never know. Sometimes these after hours traders seem to know more than they should. But this was not the case on DKS because they pulled the rug, and they have not even stopped pulling it here yet. Money, Mitch, how'd they do? Let's get to it. Q2 adjusted EPS is $2.82, missing the $3.81 estimate. Sales of $3.22 billion, missed the $3.23 billion estimate. Dick Sporting Goods comparable sales increased 1.8% versus a negative 5.1% year over year. Uh, they reaffirmed 23 comparable sales outlook in the range of flat to positive 2% but then stated in the earnings call that our Q2 profitability was short of our expectations due to large part to the impact of elevated inventory shrink and increasing serious issues that's impacting many retailers. This came from the CEO, Lauren Haber. Just a mess. I mean, the big miss on earnings, the miss on revenue. And then you look at the lowered guidance, 1150 to 1250 from analyst assessments, way up at 1350. So just a mess across the board, a messy, messy report. And is this the official end of COVID? I mean, think about, you know, we've talked about how the other stock. There's a few of these other retailers that we know. Everybody's nobody's going to go inside. We're just going to do outdoor sports. And Dick's benefited tremendously from that. The incredible run up in 2020 from 2021 when it went from $20 to $140 a share. I think this quarter officially marks the end of that. We're not going indoors. We're just doing everything outside trade. Well, the outside trade appears to be over. Uh not the bad news is it's down 27 and a half bucks that's almost 19 percent at 119.30 that's the bad news the good news is it hasn't made a low for the year yet uh which could be eminent the way it's trading right now so let's look at it this way the pre-market low uh where we just spiked to uh was 116.17 wow a little bit of an overshoot for me uh yearly low 118.55 so I mean, I can't sell it down here. And so it looks like someone's nibbling at 119.50. So uh, let's look at ASO. Uh, that's getting uh, the beats off this report, too, right? Academy Sports and Outdoors. People nervous about that. And yeah. uh, who would fall out? Who, Dennis, uh, who would you uh, put in this uh, category also? Diggs, ASO. Oh, BGFV, a big five sporting goods. Nike is getting hit. It's probably the biggest name getting hit off. This is Nike. Um, really? okay. and, and you got like obviously widely traded and Nike just quietly, not anybody talking about Nike, but this stock just quietly hitting a new 2023 low here right now. So, you know, you think about how strong 2023 has been 
this has not been the stock. And really, retail has had a pretty good rebound. Some of these stocks like Kohl's, some of these stocks like, well, Macy's hasn't really, and Macy's report, which we can get to in a second. But some of the retailers have bounced. Nike, no bounce whatsoever to be found. New 2023 low on this Dick's report here. So I'm not even sure what to say at this point in time, but you know, Nike's in par- you know, perilously close to going back to double digits. Yeah, they usually run, you know, pretty good high beta with the market and stuff. But where is the AI in the retail, Dennis? Where is the AI in retail? Well, the the clerks, you know, there is going to be a portion of AI, but there's not the hot story. You know, we know it's technology. The AI story is what investors are hot for. And then retail. And I mean, does this also tell us, and maybe we can ask Money Mitch here too, does this also tell us that the consumer is potentially flowing a little bit you know like maybe just maybe they're still willing to do things which we've talked about but are they still willing to buy as much stuff i mean you get dicks and you get some retailers not reporting great macy's we could maybe couple yeah, that reporting that's exactly what i was going to go to let's yeah. take a look at another retailer to take a look into that outlook right let's go to macy's q2 eps 26 cents beat the 13 cent estimate sales of 5.13 billion beat the 5.09 billion estimate their gross margin rate was at 38.1 percent down from 38.9 percent a year over year q2 merchandise inventories also down 10 percent year over year so that's at least maybe not the most negative thing that inventories are down right that's what i felt on this report this report doesn't look that bad to me the Macy's report, which is surprising. But again, you've got dicks getting killed and it's just not a retailer type of day. But it doesn't look that bad. And expectations weren't that high here either. I'm actually surprised that they're hitting this. And they're, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think this happened last quarter, if I remember or something, where the stock got hit and then turned around. And, and they rallied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it could pull. And again, you know, to, to, to Mark Twain and our good friend Ryan Dietrich, history doesn't always repeat itself, but it often rhymes. I'm feeling a little bit of rhyming in Macy's here. Maybe this is going to be the quarter where it's down early, but maybe it bounces back here, maybe after the open. Let's keep an eye on this one. 14 was uh, just a one daily high, two daily highs, and then you came down that one day and or probably started off the open. I like 14 bucks. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get down there. The other thing I just want to point out, uh, someone was just pressing, selling into the report. We had a set of eight lower highs here. So someone was pressing into the report. We don't know if that they, uh, that, that that sellers got mopped up yet, but I'd see the close. If this goes green at fourteen seventy three, I think you got some room in this one. So it was pressing it ahead of the close, but uh, Macy's down thirty three cents fourteen forty. Should we? Other do one lows? last night, maybe Zoom, maybe go to cover Zoom here, Mitch. Because do we do low or two? You want to do oh, low lows? Or... Yeah, do the retail schedule. Sure, go yeah, low. So I was trying to finish lows. Sure. Lowe's sure. companies Q2 adjusted EPS $4.56 beats the $4.49 estimate sales of $24.96 billion, misses the $24.99 billion estimate Q2 comparable sales down at a negative 1.6%. Uh, they did affirm full year 23 outlook here. So at least that's a reaffirm. But um, will this be able to hold on? Home improvement stores. <laughs> this as much as Mace. This wasn't actually that great of a report here, but they're bouncing at six bucks. Maybe it's because the guidance is fine. I think, you know, at 1320, 1360, it's not really much of a raise, but it's a, like reaffirming to what you said. So, you know, I, 
I don't know. It, it, the the chart, you know, the chart I don't really love here, to be honest. It kind of looks head and shouldery to me. I, yeah. I, I think I'm fading this. I honestly think I'm fading this, Pop. Lowe's always moves around good on reports. It goes, you know, big red to green or maybe green to red in this sure. instance. Uh, too bad it couldn't. I mean, for the sellers that were looking at this 226.50 area, it couldn't get there. It really, they they came down. So I'd use uh, this uh, pre-market high as a as a pretty good level with lows. If the longer it takes to take that out at twenty five sixty seven, potential downside in the issue, uh, potential support at the top of Monday's range or yeah Monday's range at uh, twenty sixty two. Full disclosure, I've owned lows for I don't know a decade maybe. Uh, not planning on doing anything with it, but I'm That's starting to think about some hold. Where'd you buy yeah. that thing? Oh man, I don't know. In fifties, maybe forties or fifties. Long term investing. You gotta be you gotta know where you are. Joel likes this long term investing, and you know what? It works for him. You know, it didn't work on the one stock. What was that one? The Peloton, but everything yeah. else. There's, there's everything else has worked pretty well on. So, you know, that's why long term investing goes. You're gonna get some dogs in there, but you get those winners, those ones that go three, four, five times, or even ten times your money that make up for it. So no, what charge? Joel's a pretty good long-term investor. Uh, set it and forget it. Uh, Lowe's off its. I'm just looking at uh, Home Depot off its report. Uh, well, it looks like it sold off his report. I'll be careful. I'll be careful on the longs. Uh, the longs on Lowe's uh, trading on five and a half bucks here. Zoom video. Let's take a look. Q2 adjusted EPS at a dollar thirty-four beats the dollar five estimate. Sales of one point one four billion beat the one point one one billion estimate. They do see Q3 adjusted EPS at a dollar seven to a dollar nine versus a dollar three estimate. Total revenues also kind of a little bit under the estimate here at one point one one five to one point one two billion versus a one point one three billion estimate and then on their full year eps outlook the eps is above and then revenues are just slightly above on the high end to 4.495 billion versus a 4.48 billion estimate they did mention of course ai ai guys our mission to delivering limitless human connections remains a core as we continue to innovate and expand our platform to help bring value and enhance productivities to our customer with new AI features like Zoom IQ meeting summary and team chat compose, as well as intelligent director. And this came from the CEO of Zoom. We had our own Nick Brown doing the official count. He counted 60 times they said AI on the Zoom call. So somebody read the Coles notes. There it is, Nick Brown, six zero. So that's a lot of times. Um, the stock is leaking. The bottom line is this expectations were really low. The report was decent. They popped the stock, but then it's the same thing. It's like, what do you got for me though? They're talking about potential products here, but again, Zoom is the one trick pony. We need to like hear, you don't want to hear like thoughts of a product or, you know, this, we're going to go this way. We need to hear, give us a new product. Give us a new product and the stock would breathe life again here. But until then, it's just, you know, the Zoom, it's a kind of a cash cow right now. But again, the competition's coming. We challenge whether that E doesn't start going down, which is why I don't own the stock. Man, oh, man, Dennis, did you have your eye on this thing when this went to 74.55? Yeah. 74.55. It wasn't that it, good of a report. <laughs> that, that, algos obviously don't listen to pre-market prep or follow 
my technical analysis because you had four highs in the 74 handle in July and you traded just over 64 two days ago. Holy mackerel. So that's not going to come into play or may not come into play. You never know. Uh, set up here is can you hold 68, hold yesterday's high, 67.94. You're, you were actually, when we started talking about it, it was trading right at that area. So if you're looking left instead of right, hold the previous day's high. You got some room on the upside here, perhaps. Uh, maybe a nice round number like 70, but holy macro, 74.55. What an overshoot. But we let's should do to, Baidu. Let's do Baidu too, Mitch. Uh, let's go over to Baidu. Uh, Q2 adjusted EPADs here. Uh, 311 beats the 232 estimate. Sales of 4.7 billion beat the 4.57 billion estimate. And of course, they said they were well positioned to capitalize on opportunities arising from generative AI and large language models, of course. The AI, AI Baidu? No, no we way. Knew. And, and we talked about this on the closing print. I was on there with Josh, and I was like, this is one that I was actually leaning. I said, I don't really like to hold stocks through reports, but I'm like, I'm tempted to go long the stock into the report. One, because of the China company. And two, you know, Baidu's is going to pump the AI's talk out there because that's what they do. So I actually did buy it at the close, bought it on the close. Good for you. Yeah, good but no, you. not no, no. Let me continue. Not good for <laughs> me because then it started getting bit up last night and was up a buck ahead of the report. I'm like bird in the hand. I'm up a buck ahead of the report. I'm like, I'll take it, move on. And then it's up five, and I was like, I got to stop with the bird in the hand stuff. I'm like <laughs> the first person that takes the first bite of the meat, and then I leave all the good stuff for somebody else. So, anyways, I was fully convicted on the closing print. Go long this into the report. I actually buy it on the close. And then I'm like, it's up a buck. And I'm like, looking at it, do I want to hold it to report? I sold it like 7.30 last night. It was up a buck. And I'm like, shouldn't have sold it. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, I couldn't identify a more bullish looking chart than uh, Baidu here on the upper right on the daily. I mean, absolutely got it. Are, are you being sarcastic? Or I have been very sarcastic. That is they mean, like those are the ones that are working, though. Stop and look at that upper right chart. Those are the stocks that are rallying on their reports because the expectations are so low. So that's actually what we have seen. Not in all cases, but Zoom looked the same and it popped up on its report. I mean, when the expectations are lower, that bar is lower. And it was a pretty good, you know, I had a pretty good inkling. Just, you know, yeah, Baidu, no. as Baidu usually beats, you know, whether they beat or not, I don't know, but they usually beat. So anyways, I kind of thought that they might. Interesting area where it's trading at right now. And of course, you've already had, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, price action already. But uh pair of highs, if we can get a I, I, next target on the upside for me, if they try and push it, uh, would be I go just under the pair of highs at one third in the one thirty two. 22 area maybe get out there at 132 see if they lift yeah is this helping bob out at all how's the bobster back overnight did he get the and, and bob uh, there is news here we can throw back to money mitch here they officially announced the ant ipo so they officially really? announced it last night i was long baba overnight i thought i would get more of a lift off of this and it kind of was disappointed but i did make i did buy it on that news last night and didn't make myself a buck 30 off of it so it was a nice trade kind of thought it would have got more of a lift though but Money, I guess I just said the news here, the NIPO. You any other details, color on that one, Mitch? 
I'm pulling some stuff here. Uh, not not much right now. I, I need to look a little bit more into this situation. Yeah, so anyways, they announced, they officially announced the Ant IPO. That's all you need to know. Um, this is obviously, you know, something that they've had. You know, remember they were going to do yeah. it, and then they've China pulled the rug and regulators. I guess they're allowing them to do it here now. So I just think China is like, I'm, I'm biased on, on the dips to be buying these Chinese stocks. Not in the long-term account, but, you know, in the swing trading account or in the short-term account. The simple reason is that they're beat up and we you know we're kind of going around and looking at, you know, some of these stuff, some of these laggards that, you know, have potential and these are potential AI plays, Baba and Baidu and all these. So I just think China, it's range bound and you're getting to the bottom of the range here again. And it's worked to buy some of these stocks down here before we talked about this yesterday. You know, it remember what this is what started the whole collapse in uh, in Baba and I had it. I had it marked out. It was so long ago. I don't even have, I had the graphics uh, out on my chart. When did they start picking on them about this? And then just the bet. It was like $300. It was $300. It was right, at the, top. right yeah. at the top. Right here. And then Jack wow. Maul went missing and they just never stopped selling the stock. <laughs> Where in yeah. the world is Jack Maul? We were playing the game. Yeah. I don't I think, know. I think China's he's okay, but it was a little bit scary there for a bit. And uh, we'll see if China wants to turn around the markets because at the end of the day, everyone's been talking about how they need true fiscal stimulus. They need something that actually comes out to help these companies get off the ground. Hey, let's I go to the banks. You want to go to the banks? Yeah, let's talk. All right. S&P Global downgraded credit ratings, adjusting their outlook for several U.S. banks due to concern over funding risk and decreased profitability which could strain the sector's credit strength, of course. S&P specifically downgraded Associated Bank Corp, Valley National Board, uh, Bank Corp, due to vulnerability to funding risk and reliance on brokered deposits. Additionally, UMP Financial Corp, Comerica Bank, and Key Corp were also downgraded by S&P due to significant deposit outflows and prevailing higher interest rates. The rating agency also shifted outlook for S&T Bank and River City Bank from stable to negative, primarily due to sustainable exposure to commercial real estate and other related factors. Now that we've gotten all three of the rating agencies to come in and hit the banks, is this going to continue the downside and maybe turn the markets today? I think this is not um the day to be looking at banks we got nvidia ripping tech is ripping and you know i think this is just that could be the laggard trade of the day and it's sleepy here right now because the market is very high and some of your other banks are trading higher but if we get you know any tells from yesterday value the one thing about yesterday is value did not participate yesterday you had the you had the diamonds you had the dow 30 down you had iwm trading if it didn't close red it was very close to closing red so in that huge rally that we had yesterday which was all tech driven you had value not participating so now you get these you know, credit ratings on some of these banks getting downgraded here the charts don't look fabulous on any of these things they've been leaking 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 so let's just give you the ticker so you got asb vly umbf cma and key getting the s p downgrades here today K key bank is down one percent in the pre-market Comerica is down 0.8%. So that, was, that is the reason because of those downgrades. You just wonder if it just doesn't spill over into the other banks because you know why you got retail is uh, the retailers with dicks is a kind of a disaster today. You can just see it setting up again that it's going to be one of these tech days and values 
look, looking like it may underperform. I'm actually surprised, you know, that the IWM is as strong as it is. I'm sure at the IWM right now, full disclosure, because I just think, and that's, you know, day trading, because I just think that eventually here we might see more of yesterday where tech rips and the IWM kind of gets left in the dust. Long, mm-hmm. long term, I still have the long term account, but I've just got yeah. Uh, right let's see here. It's trading uh, IWM here. We covered a lot there. Uh, pair of highs at one eighty five and a quarter. So needs to hold that, or you got some potential downside with these banks. I mean, they're just it, it, they picked on some little ones here, except the Coal America, which full disclosure I did buy uh, during the uh, uh, April, March, and April uh, meltdown, and I've been all over the place on it. I. I kind of want to get rid of it uh this doesn't really help things here but it's in a super extra long-term account so i don't know it's tough quiet consolidation here uh major resistance just under 48 and opening into support for now uh trio of lows at 46.50 we'll see what happens with cma yeah, I think what's also interesting at least they included um some actual outlook into commercial real estate which I think is something that is definitely an exposure out there that a lot of people are concerned about going into next year. And so that's something that I didn't hear from Moody's and I didn't hear from the other rating agencies. They're actually mentioning about the commercial real estate and how that could have substantial exposure uh, to some related factors if those start going down. So that's an area that I'd definitely be concerned about. All right, Dennis is back. Let's keep going. Let's go to Medtronics. This is a company that I've always wanted to trade. I honestly never have owned it, but it's definitely the leader in medical devices. Uh, Q1 adjusted EPS $1.20 beat the $1.11 estimate. Sales at $7.7 billion beat the $7.57 billion estimate. Medtronics raised full year 24 adjusted EPS outlook from $5.08 and $5.16. They raised it to $5.16 from $5 and $5.10 prior versus a $5.05 estimate. So Medtronics getting a little bit of a lift here. Can it actually get off the ground? No. The answer is no. I'm convicted on this because this is not the day for Medtronic to report. More of a defensive name. Um, The report was okay, not fabulous. But I think this is the kind of stock they sell today for the simple reason is that this is an NVIDIA AI day, at least in the morning. If it all reverses, it could change. But I think that uh, Medtronic, if I was long this thing, I would sell it. That's just my opinion. I have no trading position in it. Better hold 80, 8130. That's all I have to say. Uh, yeah. 81, yeah, that's it. The support's there. Support is support. I think support's out. going today. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I'm seeing on we, it. Uh, we should days. talk, and Plasma bringing up the TLT continues to leak here. We know it made a new 52-week low yesterday, at least new 2023 low. Oh, actually, no. No, I think it made a new 52-week no. low. Close to it. Not quite. Not quite to the October lows, but perilously close to the October lows. So what does this mean? Like, let's just have an overall comment because we kind of went through the earnings here. Just want to bring this to the overall conversation. What does it mean if the bonds continue to show weakness here? I mean, the equities, can they just completely ignore it? Can we have that separation? Because this has not been the case here this year. We know we we were selling off the TLT for the last two years. Then we had the rebound in October and, you know, January was okay too. And stocks rebounded with that. 
But now you have the TLT separating from equities, where we've obviously seen the Qs and the SPY have an incredible 2023. That is not the case with the bonds and the TLT that is continuing to go down. Will this eventually rejoin? Like, does the bond traders know something that we don't know? Or, you know, is it maybe just a TLT and a buying opportunity? But I got to think that this gap that we're creating here now eventually closes. So maybe there's a play to buy the TLT and short the stocks. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Dennis, you said a 50, approaching a 52-week low. I mean, you're back at levels that you haven't seen since uh, July and the summer of 2011. You're talking like 12-year lows here on the TLT. Yeah. And then rates, and it's all rates. I mean, rates have come up to 20-year highs. So, you know, the TLT is destroyed on that, obviously. But... I just I, think like lately, what has happened lately is everybody is completely ignoring the sell-off. We have been talking about it. When we went through 100, we were nervous for stocks. And you know what? That was a tell because August was pretty rough for stocks so far. But this rebound here that we've had in the S&P, this rebound that we've had, not so much in the IWM, but in the Q has been an incredible rebound for the last few days. Are we selling this rebound? Are we believing it? I want to kind of see the TLT start to bounce before I start believing this rally, though. <laughs> or is it's it just uh, all Nvidia and it all goes kaplooey on Wednesday night? It's just uh, you know, uh, new. You know, we see new things in the market. Uh, you know, new trends. Dennis, you're you know been trading many years. You see different relationships, and this is just a relationship. When the when the bonds were, uh, remember when it was knocking on the door at one thirty four? I'm like, wow, it just can't get through there. It's resistance. I think what this is trying to tell you is that the Fed may not be done. We got inflation numbers coming out right early in the month in September, and maybe they are done. But what this is saying is, is like, no, we're not getting the silly town with rates where they were before. We're never going back to one and a half, two percent. No one's going to get a mortgage under three percent. This is reality. This is what that bond market is telling us. Stocks, well, you know, money coming out of the bond market going into stocks is is one possibility by doc i just think uh not necessarily higher for longer but stable for longer let's go to bj's wholesales club they reported their earnings here q2 eps at 97 cents beats the 90 cent estimate sales of 4.96 billion missed 5.15 billion estimate bj's wholesale sees full year 23 eps at three dollars and 80 cents to three dollars and 92 cents Dropped after the last report, battled all the way back and filled the gap. Someone piecing out at 70. That doesn't really do you much good now. I'd say got to hold 68. Uh, there's a couple lows in that area. We already have not. We've already taken it out. So if you're looking for a rally, you better get above 68, get a sustained 68 bed. Looks pretty wide open between 66 and 68. Let's take it back. We're going to get our guests here in a couple of minutes here, but. I do think we need to talk in the context of, you know, we've covered most of the earnings here now. We've got some other big names that are going to report. You know, we have Snowflake and Splunk, and we've got, you know, Alta and Workday and Marvell that are going to report. Um, but we one stock that isn't going to report that we failed to talk about so far is Tesla. And this rebound in Tesla has been nothing short of absolutely incredible as well, because in two days, we have went from 212 to 242. So it took literally... 25 days and i don't know what my kid's doing but he's annoying me because he's trying to print stuff in the background here so i apologize for the noise 
So Spencer's moving out here now. He's trying to get a coloring page for the other, but we're babysitting right now for the other kid. So he's trying. Oh, That's very nice. nice. Very nice. So he's a good kid. But anyways, <laughs> sorry I'm getting distracted here by the noise. Um, printer is loud. $299 down to 217 So that's a tidy 80-point sell-off over the course of a month. In two days, we're getting like 40% of that back. This is an incredible bounce here. 250 right, Joel? Like, look at 250 You're gonna That's got to be the level. 500 for NVIDIA, 250 for Tesla. Those are the stall-out points, aren't they? Or does it just keep going? Oh man, I I just can we roll the tape from uh, Adam Jonas, please? Uh, when I when I talked about that, Mitch with, has uh, the tape, I think. Yeah, with 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 with, with, with the downgrade there, and I was it wasn't just like, a downgrade. It was so if you know Adam Jonas, we talked. About that's this, right. Joel Joel had a great call on this. Jonas never like just goes full bullish or full bearish. He hedges himself always. He's got a bull case. And he's got a bear case. So on Friday, he was highlighting his bear case and saying this could get a lot uglier. And that's when Joel's like, okay, if Jonas is full on high, you know, like getting bearish here now, this is probably the buying opportunity. And man, Joel, you could not have called that better. The stock was $210 when you were saying that. In the pre market, yeah. It never even hit there. It got to 212 in the regular session and has just bounced nonstop. So Jonas couldn't have been starting to turn bearish at a worst possible time on the stock. Now, give him some props because he's had his bull case and the stock has been a pretty darn good performer over the course of time. So he hasn't always been wrong. But we know when some of these analysts turn, like the Mike Wilson top, obviously, and Morgan Stanley we've talked about, he almost top-ticked it. Well, it looks like Jonas bottom-ticked Tesla. So now, now you're getting a bounce here. But I do think, like, now if you're buying it, you're doing it backwards here. I feel like you could get to 250. I feel like that's a possibility. But... I think it's going to get really tough setting through 250. Oh, I think I can't really think about that right now. I'd just be right now, short term, just uh, with the way it's trading right now. Just keep an eye on a couple of your daily highs. Of course, keep an eye on that 250. But uh, first things first, uh, you got a, a high just under a pair of highs at 240 and a half. You're, you're holding that for right now. Uh, underneath that bottom of yesterday or top of yesterday's range is real uh, way down there, but that's a nice round number 250. And you had uh, three highs in that area going during this decline back in early August in Tesla. 835. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get to our guests, guys. You guys smash the like. Let's keep it going. Pre market prep. Not to, are you doing David? David Trainer, CEO of New Constructs, our earnings maven. David, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Uh, uh, you gave us a great topic here to talk about today because it's earnings season, and uh, you know, you top of your head, you said declining importance of earnings between. Be, uh, beats and misses and how Wall Street just seems to move that bar for companies and they clear the lower bar and stocks rally. Give us a, give us the dirty details on that. Yeah, back when I was on Wall Street, a young uh, young analyst in like 1997, I had a meeting with some of the, the top tech guys uh, on, on, the, on the Credit Suisse team. They just come over with uh, Frank Quattrone and we were talking about kind of a, a more robust earnings model that I was advocating at the time. And they said, well, wait a second, we can't use that model, David. I'm like, well, why, what do you mean? He's like, well, 
you know the trick. Like if you have a buy on a rate, buy, buy rating on a stock, you want it to go up and it has a much better chance of going up if it beats the number. So for all the stocks I have a buy rating on, my numbers, published numbers are a little lower than what I really think and vice versa. And I said, so what are you saying? You have two sets of numbers? Well, just put your real one in my model. Anyway, they couldn't do that. And so, uh, you know, look, that was in the late 90s and that game continues to go on. And we see that happening. Wall Street kind of behind the scenes, lowering the numbers well before earnings season so that by the time we get to the earnings season, we're seeing a lot of beats. And a lot of those beats are artificial beats. They don't have as much meaning as they used to, Joel. Do you have some examples for us here to uh, to, to share with us? Or... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't honestly have any off the top of my head. <clears throat> and I think okay. you know, I probably should have. Uh, but I will tell you that we've got an earnings distortion score out now that can help people better get a get a better grip on on the likelihood of a beat or miss just based on the noise in the numbers. And so by noise, what I mean is unusual gains and charges <clears throat> that Wall Street <clears throat> misses. And there have been numerous studies that show that not only are the published numbers not really reliable, but that Wall Street analysts do not do a good job of ferreting out the unusual gains and, and, and losses. And so nobody's doing that work. So if you have a sense of, of where those gains and losses uh, are, are most likely going to impact numbers, you have an advantage. And, and we do have, you know, earnings distortion scores for exactly that kind of thing. So what's your overall take on the quarter? I mean, you know, we pretty much we've been in a decline in August. That's kind of a, a, you know, a seasonal historical pattern. We've had some beats. We've had some misses. We've had some really peculiar reactions to the stocks. I mean, considering those lower expectations overall, you know, where are you at in evaluating Q2 earnings season? I think more of the same through the rest of the year. The Fed is going to do whatever it can, can do to, to avoid a major crash. Uh, I think we've topped out in a lot of places. Look, this NVIDIA run continues to amaze. Meme stocks continue to amaze. But the number of meme stocks, the number of crazy stocks is going down, not up. We're seeing a lot of stocks, some of the, so the wildly overvalued stocks coming back to earth. Uh, Beyond Meat is, is, is one, Peloton one, Blue Apron. Uh, you know, and, and so I think slowly and gradually, the nutty animal spirits are being sort of choked out of the market. And I believe that's the Fed's plan. I think off with everybody's head, we've only created a major correction, which would have triggered the buy the dip folks. And we would be back to where we started in terms of, you know, the, the just the unintelligent capital allocation, the malinvestment that's gone on for 20 years. In order to change behavior, we need sort of a, a long lull, an unexciting, an unexciting, an unsexy market. And I think that's what we're going to be seeing for the next several months and even maybe a couple of years. I mean, is it possible to, you know, with, with uh, you know, the bots and the algorithms and everything that continuing to overreact or underreact? Is it is it possible for the market? I mean, we thought maybe we were going to go into, you know, a lull, you know, after uh, in Q2, but the market exploded and then gave it all back. Is it possible? I mean, just with the high speed trading, high frequency trading, it seems like. They're always getting something moving and going, whether it's earnings related or not. Uh, that's, a, that's an awesome question. Uh, we have so much of our market is effectively engineered to take advantage of these short term streaks or movements. I had buddies that were day traders. You know, around the time I was talking to those analysts at Credit Suisse, I had friends who were day traders telling me how their ideal transaction took place in eight, eight seconds. Right. They buy it. They see it go up. They sell it. 
and they do that over and over. And that's that underlying idea concept has been scaled up big time by the big Wall Street firms. So you're right, Joel. I think the answer to your question is, you know, I'm not sure, but I, but I, I would say that for, for retail investors, don't make yourself a target. Those algorithms, those bots, they don't work if you don't make the dumb trade to begin with. And if you okay. be smart about capital allocation at the individual level, be more discerning at the individual decision-making level, a lot of that apparatus designed to take advantage of trends and streaks and, and, and stocks will become less useful. All right. We don't want you to give away the secret sauce here, but you see what's going on with NVIDIA here. And uh, heading into the report, just uh, the analysts, I mean, they're, they're not keeping the estimates low on this one. They're, it's uh, it's almost the opposite effect. Uh, looking at your models and, you know, also measuring the expectations for earnings season, I mean, what, what do you say about NVIDIA? I mean, words are just, you know, it's hard to describe this move since I believe it was last Friday. It's approaching. It just it's hitting an all time high here right now. I'm not joking. Like it's 480.88 was the all time. High. It's 41. It's making a new all time high here right now. This stock is just unbelievably incredible here, David. It is, you know, and a few months ago we, we did a, a reverse DCF case study on NVIDIA. That's a re reverse discounted cash flow model. And the cool thing about that is very transparent. It just says, hey, here's what the future cash flows have to be to justify the price. Just so you can get a sense of, of yeah. what from a fundamental perspective it means. And we showed that the margins would have to be something like 20% better than they'd ever been for the next 10 years while, while simultaneously growing revenue at 30% compound and annually. So that that's just like a, a high you're telling me it's a high bar <laughs> that's exactly right and you know and everyone's going to say yeah no duh it's expensive and and you know one thing that's great about what i've been doing here for the last 20 years is that, is that when i say like stocks are just being nutty and going up and you can't trust it at least i got meme stocks now where i can just say hey you know that's crazy everyone knows it's crazy crazy things happen and nvidia is like a meme stock now i mean this is just people piling up taken over algos have taken over yeah, I mean, I think, what, you know, back to the, what Joel and I were talking about, look, people are not going to give up on this kind of get rich quick, get rich easy strategy that trading has brought them for the last 20 years. They don't want that to go away. So they're going to jump on horses like NVIDIA or meme stocks like NVIDIA to keep trying to squeeze out that last bit of gain and, and easy money that they hope to get. And, you know, the music is sort of slowing gradually as opposed to all at one point or different songs are stopping at different places. And you know, all I can say is what I've said for the last 20 years, just be careful. You got a seat when the music stops. This is uh good, just a good conversation here. And the music does eventually stop, but nobody knows where. And a lot of people get burned trying to call when the music stops. So what I always say is like shorting these rocket ships and stocks are making you all time highs is a dangerous game here too, David. I mean, you know, it's one thing to sit on the sidelines and, you know, you miss out, but it's quite another to say, no, this is stupid. I'm going to short this thing. And now boom, in the last two days, you're down 20%. You're like, what happened? That's right. No, we, we've, you know, we've had our zombie stock list out for a little over a year and, you know, we, we don't give out any specific advice, of course, but shorting in general is just you, you got to be crazy. You know, when you're dealing with meme stocks, I mean, look at, you know, I just love these stories about Bed Bath & Beyond and Yellow Truck. Right. Hey, uh, by the yeah. way, well, we're going bankrupt and then people buy the stock. Right. I mean, yeah, it's crazy, too. These are crazy times for investing and recognize that that's what it is. And, you know, trade accordingly or invest accordingly. Uh, it's not my cup of tea, but, 
yeah, shorting is super dangerous, but the best, I think the best policy is just to avoid these stocks in general. Yeah. When they start to get just too crazy, maybe just sit on the sidelines. But again, it's the, it's the natural human, you know, like psychological that you want to get in there. You want to be in what's going up. You know, you see the media and I mean, this is everywhere. NVIDIA is just unbelievably pumped at us right now. CNBC, Twitter, it's nonstop. And my Twitter feed, it's like probably talked about just as much as every other stock combined. So like you look through and there's an NVIDIA post and then there's another post about another stock and then there's an NVIDIA post and then a different stock and then an NVIDIA post. I mean, just the, the, the talk and you know the expectations. This is just, you know, honestly, it's incredible how much is being talked about here right now. So I guess in that way, it's somewhat predictable that it would have had this run up ahead of the report. Do you think, though, there's a way that this stock could continue to move higher here after the report? Is it like all baked in? Or, you know, what are your thoughts here? And what are your thoughts here for the overall market here, too? Yeah, I was ask because this too. is yeah. driving the this is driving the tech market the last two days. There's no doubt who has taken over the bus and the tech train. And it's NVIDIA here once again. Does this, you know, what are your thoughts here going forward after the report for the overall market? Uh, you know, to me, this is like the uh, the Vince McMahon market or the WWE market, right? You know, we never know who the villain or the hero is going to be. Crazy things happen. It's more about entertainment than it is real grappling or real investing. And so, you know, and, and NVIDIA is whoever the, the champ is of the moment. That's NVIDIA. Um, and the Fed, you know, is the undertaker. They're the bad guy. That's my way of saying that this is kind of a game. Uh, it's, you know, we're not talking about fundamentals. And if we're not talking about fundamentals, then what are you talking about, right? What's going to choose what makes something go up as, except for something somewhat arbitrary, you know, the, the psychology of the masses, the mentality of the mob, um, some big hedge funds that like to stir up action in one corner of the market or another. Uh, you know, that's been since the early day traders, that was kind of their thing, right? Let's stir up action. And to your point, Dennis, Right. What is Twitter? What is happening on your feed? These are people out there stirring up action and interest in NVIDIA. It's a concerted effort. It's part of their trading strategy to create momentum and and interest in these stocks so they can continue to trade on it. And what I, I would just say to investors, as I've said 100 times, is like, just recognize what you're up against. And, what has and, happened with Twitter? And I know we call it X here now, but you bring in and I, what I used to do, I had the tool. And I'd be like, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, what's the news? And you can't find it in the news. And sometimes maybe somebody's talking about it on Twitter. And what I would do is type in the ticker. I would go to the latest, like not the top tab, but the latest tab. And then you would like scroll through and you'd see. But all I see in there now, David, is spam. I see like just like somebody's just taking it and they're just throwing on like 20 tickers, you know, and the same thing. Come to my chat room. Come to my chat room. Come to my chat room. I thought Musk was supposed to fix the spam issue here. And I know we're getting away from stocks. But I thought Musk was supposed to fix the spam issue. And on Twitter, which is called X now, and I'm never going to get over that, it, it seems worse than ever. Like the spam is completely out of control. It's went the other way where the tool that I used to use for like, you know, searching for, you know, different news and stuff is becoming almost useless because everything in there is spam. Dennis, we live in the misinformation age, right? I think when the history books are written and we talk about the industrial age, the technological age, the digital age, the information age. The first part of the information age is the misinformation age. We've got to figure out a way to make it through that. And Musk is a master of misinformation, right? Anyone who believes what he's like saying publicly that's going to happen, you got to be kind of silly because there's been a lot of misstatements over the years. And most of those misstatements are directly related to, related to his own personal benefit. So 
whatever he's supposed to do, I would kind of watch more of his actions than necessarily the words that come out of his mouth. And Twitter is just another example of all the many platforms out there. They're designed to monetize you, not to inform you. They're designed to monetize you, not to inform you. So I tell my kids the same thing about, about, about junk food, right? Doritos are not trying to make, Frito-Lay is not trying to make you healthy. Mountain Dew is not trying to make you healthy. They're trying to make you eat another Dorito, right? Or drink another Mountain Dew. That's what they want to do. And that's I thought Doritos were good for you. <laughs> the same thing with the news, right? They don't want you to get smart and be, oh, that's great. Let me think about that. They want you to click on something else. So you, you have to kind of wake up every day with understanding what you're up against, not just in the news, in the markets, but in every way. And, and that's, that's part of what, what I'm here for in New Constructs is to help people have some sense of the fundamentals, at least have that. You know, and if you love momentum trading, you love technical trading, you got other other skills, Elliott Wave, 40-year cycles, whatever it is, add a fundamental layer to give yourself a little peace of mind. Before we let you go, David, uh, this market is the master of rotation, right? Moving in and out of stocks, selling bonds, and then buying NVIDIA, I guess is the new thing. But uh, talk with, talk about what you've seen in the most recent sector rotation, and will it continue? Yeah, I think part of this slow sort of suffocation of speculation out of the market is going to lead to a rotation into basic materials, energy, and financials. Uh, we're seeing a ton of really undervalued, overlooked stocks and energy and basic materials and financials. We have for a while. Uh, we've been putting these on our focus list long for a long time. They've been excellent performers. But I think what people have lost sight of part of over the last 20 years, right? This is a big picture idea too, is look, everyone's chasing AI, chasing NFTs or crypto, all these intangible things, get rich quick based on blockchain, right? And most people don't even know what that means. And so what we've forgotten after all this time is what it takes to build things up from the inside, you know, whether it's our bridges and roads or electrical grid. I mean, we're making all kinds of promises about people using electric vehicles that we can't we can't fulfill, all right? Our, our ESG ego is writing checks. Our infrastructure can't cash. Top Gun reference. You guys get that one? Yeah, anyway, yeah. anyway it's one of my favorites. Uh, and so I think we've got to think about a rebuilding of, of America. And, and I think hand in hand with that goes sort of in rebuilding our culture a little bit of, around being more discerning about, about character, right? We got, you know, we're not building character anymore. We got character assassination everywhere, right? That's all we got. There's no building yeah. character. And I, and I think I'm hopeful that we can get back to something like that because, I mean, that's, in my opinion, that's a lot of what America is about. It's not about getting rich quick. It's not about finding the next scheme so you can outdo your neighbor, right? It's, it's about making the world a better place and making the pie bigger, contributing to a greater whole. And I think these basic materials, energy stocks, and even some of the financial stocks, that's what those are going to be supporting as we need to build the, the, the factories that make the steel that are required to make windmills and solar panels and bridges and the electrical grid. These are things that have been long overlooked and it's time to get back to investing in those. Thus the name New Constructs, David Trainer. He's the CEO giving us a great outlook on earnings season. Thanks, David. We'll dial you up again in Q3. Thank you. Good to see you. All right. SAPs are leaking and NVIDIA doesn't care. SAPs have no. sold off seven and a half points and NVIDIA is moving no. higher. You don't think at some point the banks turn this boat around? No. The banks haven't turned this boat around in 20 years. <laughs>
So if you're in the bank boat, I mean, try and I get what David's saying, and there is some value in the banks, but the banks oh. being long is just a tough trade. And go to the long-term chart, and I don't care what you look at. The XLF is a little deceiving because there's so much Berkshire in there, but you know, and, and the Burke will help it. But even the XLF with all Berkshire, you know, it's 13% Burke. And you know, in the last 10 years, you're down. You think about what Berkshire has done in the last 10 years, it's been a completely different story here. So I mean, bring up the XLF in that longer term chart. I don't know if right here. Yep. There. I'm going to spread it out. Yeah, yeah. Spread it out there. So yeah, you're 20 years. You're back to where you were 2008. You've gone nowhere. I mean, it's been, yeah, if you bought at the very bottom of 2009, 2010, you did pretty good with the XLF. But again, a little deceiving because it's a lot of Burke in there and Burke has helped it. But, you know, bring up Citigroup, bring up, you know, Bank America, bring up Wells Fargo. The Citigroup's destroyed. Bank America is still not even close to back to where it was in 2008. You know, you can go. Goldman will be making new highs, I believe. I don't even know if Goldman's making new highs. Yeah, Where's Goldman? yeah. Go Goldman, Goldman is. Goldman yeah. is. Morgan. Morgan be making new highs, I think. But they're, they're, you know, they got the brokerage businesses. They're not like, you know, your traditional banks. Before 2008, they weren't even considered banks. So, you know, they just threw it all in there because they needed those big brokerage houses to bail out the other ones. Um, JP Morgan's been a good one. We know that. A little bit of separation here. But. The banks long term have just been tough investments. So I just, you know, I invest in zero banks because of, I went through financial crisis in 2008. I do invest sometimes in the Canadian banks. They're a little bit different, a little bit more conservative with the lending. Um, you know, we don't do 30-year mortgages, 30-year fixed, you know, mortgages in Canada. Um, they only usually go up five years and then they readjust. So, you know, after rates are up for two or three years, you know, those banks are getting into a better position there. So, you know, the Canadian banks have always been done a little bit better than the U.S. banks. But that being said, the banks have just been a terrible place to be for a very long time. All right. You I was talking just in the short term, but. I don't think I, today I, is your I, turnaround I, for the banks because I, in the I, short I, term, we kind of talked it off the bat. You got S&P downgrading yeah. a bunch of regionals here. You got AI day happening here unless NVIDIA. And I think a lot of times what we have is this value versus growth going on right now. That was clear. If NVIDIA collapses, the banks yeah, can turn, I'm turn it around. About. Understand those relationships that right now, the banks are actually inversely correlated with NVIDIA. So NVIDIA is ripping to 500. They're not interested in banks. If NVIDIA starts going 470, 460 and starts collapsing, well, then they're like, okay, well, where are we moving money? Well, let's move it back into value. So it's just understanding that rotation. And, you know, same thing what I'm saying with Medtronic. I mean, Medtronic is right now at this moment in time, this is a, this is a tech day. Now that could change. NVIDIA starts to collapse. Stock like Medtronic could maybe pick it up. But it all depends. You know, that's why even if you don't trade NVIDIA, Keep it on your screen because if it starts rip roaring higher, it has consequences for everything else, not even in the sector. The value trade lagged yesterday because everybody was pumping into tech because of NVIDIA. So, I mean, just understanding that's my edge. That's the real edge out there. You know, you can look at a chart. You can look at, you know, and analyze. That's got a nice pattern and that goes. But I've told you that story before. When I first started break trading, I'd started trading in like 1997. You know, I was retail and I looked at charts and I looked at patterns. I read all these chart books. Then I got to 1999. I started full time at Bright Trading. And I realized there was a lot to order flow and, you know, the order book and understanding relationships and different things. And I can remember when I first started at Bright Trading, I learned that the hard way because I set up, I had the first alert, Joel. And I set it up to have all these chart patterns. And it would, it would literally look through 6,000 stocks 
and find all the head and shoulders. It would find all, you know, the cup and handles. And I'd buy all the cup and handles and short all the head and shoulders. And the first six months, I made nothing. It didn't work for me. Now, maybe it works for some people, but just blindly buying every cup and handle and shorting every head and shoulders, a lot of people are trying to do that. If there was a real edge in it, it probably wouldn't be, you know, and there is times where it works, but it doesn't work all the time. What I quickly learned was there was other edges and the number one edge at Bright Trading and all those years and all those successful traders that we have seen, Joel, you think about how successful the Bright Trading traders were. It was all about relationships, relationships. So, you know, understanding what this, when this happens, this stock does this in response to it. And that's why the edge was really made. And that's how I've built, you know, for the last 10 years we've been doing this show, I've preached understanding relationships. They change, they evolve, they do, that's the they thing. do different that's things. The thing. And yep. right now, the value versus growth is real. So even if I'm trading like the banks, I would be watching NVIDIA. And if NVIDIA is ripping up to 500, they're not interested in the banks. But all of a sudden, NVIDIA starts to collapse. They're all of a sudden, we're interested in value again. So you got to have your value buckets. You got to have your growth buckets. You got to have all your other buckets as well. But just understanding all those different relationships, that's an edge that nobody talks about. You know why? Because it's kind of boring. It's not sexy. It's not even, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly simple. But people just don't talk about it. You think about all the books on your bookshelf. How many of them preach relationships? How many do you pick up and say, oh, this is a stock relationship book? You don't see that that often. There's not a lot of books out there preaching that stuff, but the stuff works. You see a lot of TA books, and some TA can work for some people, but I think the people who rely just on technical analysis, I think there's some excellent traders, but I think there's more to the markets than just technical analysis. Okay. All right. Well, we covered a lot today. Uh, S&Ps have backed off the pre-market high. Very important to take that out at 4440. Uh, on the downside here, let's see. I think the bears might try and press it down to the top of uh, yesterday's range. That's 4421. Uh, but got some nice green on the screen to start today. Also, even if you're not trading NVIDIA, keep that uh, keep that on your screen just for the overall market flow. Tomorrow, we'll get a view across the pond from Michael Hewson. All right, Dennis, you want to go ahead and wrap it up? I know you just pretty much did that, but any last yeah, comments? No, I finished with an educational rant. Five minutes, Mitch. Yeah, I, I felt I, I like finished it, with an but... educational rant. So you've got Macy's is ugly here. It's down to thirteen fifty. This is retailer disaster day with Dick's Macy's. Um, obviously, you got Coles and Nordstrom rolling over here too. You have a complete separation here happening. Um, like I said before, I feel like the IWM could lag. It's trade is starting to pick up. I said it earlier that I had a day trade short on the IWM. Um, that is starting to work because now IWM is up less than SPY um, and significantly less than Qs. And I think if NVIDIA remains strong, like Joel's saying, I think IWM gets forgotten here. It's full of, you know, a lot of different stocks, smaller stocks that may get forgotten here. So I'm still in my long-term portfolio. I have a, lot, a core position in IWM. But right now, from a day trading perspective, I got short on. I think it's coming in here. You know, does it come in, you know, all day? I'm just hoping it can come back down to not be up, you know, as much as the S&P and I'll be making money. All right, up next, of course, you guys will have live trading with Benzinga. That's coming up next. Don't miss it. And we've got more for you guys right here on Benzinga later today. Of course, start swing trade. And who we have on next time here, Joel, on pre-market prep. Michael Houston is going to join us from across the pond. S&P's leaking, folks. Have a good day.